The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. I hope you guys are ready to talk pitching because there was a lot of it on Monday. Welcome into Fantasy Baseball today. Frank Stample joined by Scott White and Chris Towers. We've got some trades to talk about, some trade targets to talk about as well later on in the podcast, but... Let's not waste any time. Jump right in. Oh, my good goodness gracious. Scott, why don't you get us started, man? Oh, my goodness gracious. Player of the night. Thank you for sparing me the pleasantries, Frank. You know how much I enjoy the small talk. I didn't even ask you how your weekend was yesterday, man. I totally I, forgot. I Sorry. No, per- performative small talk, my <laughs> absolute most favorite thing. So my oh, my goodness gracious player of Monday was... Waskar, Waskar Inoa of the Braves, their fifth starter as they continue to wait for Mike Soroka to return. And they might they might just need to find a way to stick with him because uh, after looking really strong in his first start, going five two-hit innings against the Nationals, he flat-out dominated the Marlins on Monday. Inoa. His numbers, if I can find them here on my not-so-organized sheet. Ah, yes, six innings, three hits, one earned run, 10 strikeouts, 14 swinging strikes on just 82 pitches is all it took him to go those six innings. Uh, Mostly a two-pitch pitcher. In, In the past, he's led with his slider, which is, of course, uncommon. Today, he threw the fastball a little more than the slider, but it was it was about 45% to 45% those two pitches, and I do worry about how, uh, how how sustainable it is being mostly a two-pitch pitcher. He did flash a changeup at times, too. Of course, rarely do we, when we call a two-pitch pitcher, a, a pitcher a two-pitch pitcher is he literally a two-pitch pitcher, but, you know, basically two pitches for Anoa. But the fastball was, he averaged 97.2 on the fastball. He's topping triple digits with it. That's two and a half miles per hour harder than we saw him throw last year. And... Um, He's looking pretty nasty, this Zanoa guy. And it's surprising because, I mean, you look at the minor league track record, there's not much there. Uh, But, you know, back-to-back starts, and obviously this one being especially impressive, I think think it's time to take a flyer on Mr. Inoa. You know, I was looking through his history, too. Do you know how the Braves got him? I have Inoa idea. It's a talk about like delayed return on investment here. The Braves got him in 2017 
when they traded Jaime Garcia, Anthony Recker, and Cash to the Twins. Straight up for Inoa. Who out there listening even remembers Jaime Garcia on the break? I remember Jaime Garcia. Oh, I remember. He was supposed to be the next uh, Johan Santana a long, long time ago. Well, not on the Braves, he was. No, no, not on the Braves. Yeah, no. Most famously with the Cardinals, of course. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Enoa. So, uh, Chris, what do you think about this Enoa fella? The minor league numbers seem pretty pedestrian. Does he stay in the rotation once Soroka is good to go? I mean, there are some question marks here. He's only 26% rostered, so he's widely available. What do you think? Yeah, it's worth taking a look um, if he's available and adding him. I think, you know, he'd be well below, you know, a lot of the guys that we've talked about lately, like Trevor Rogers and, and Yusei Kikuchi. And, and I think even lower than some of the guys who pitched tonight, like uh, Freddie Peralta, but you know, the, the stuff was very impressive tonight. He looked really good. Um, and it's not just because he was going against the Marlins. Um, like the stuff looked good even before the Marlins tried and failed to swing at it. So, um, I think he's certainly worth adding. You know, I, I'm not sure he would be inside of my top 80 starting pitchers right now, but, um, you know, no, it's good to be it because yeah. right. There's a lot of people of various league sizes out. You obviously can't drop Rogers for him or, or a Freddie Peralta. Like he's, I mean, Freddie Peralta on CBS leagues, at least he's closing in on 90% roster ship. Yeah. Um, and especially you know, point if you still got if you still got a Logan Webb hanging around, if you still got uh I don't know, I'd I'd take a flyer on a no over like Sean Manaya at this point. Yeah, I think that's fair. That's Man, if he had one more appearance last year, he'd be RP eligible, is that right? It was five RP appearances. Yeah. Or ten. I don't think it's normally ten, but in the short season lower to five, yeah. Yeah. He made five starts, nine appearances total. If he had made one more relief appearance, he'd be an RP eligible pitcher and that would be much more more valuable in a points league and just for everyone listening or watching out there this is uh the gentleman who spells his name h-u-a-s-c-a-r it's pronounced waskar like just w in front of oscar basically two things on him two final things i am very sad that i lost the tiebreaker bid for him in the scott white dynasty league last week tried to pick him up for two dollars so that stunk and uh team name tuesday enoa nothing john snow Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> that was from Mike Davidson on Twitter. I thought that was pretty good. Chris, oh my goodness gracious, yeah. from Monday. Frederick Peralta, Freddie Peralta, 10 strikeouts, six innings, two hits allowed. He has a bunch of strikeouts so far this season. And finally, uh, he did not struggle with his control and was really, really good against the Cubs tonight. Um, yeah, he's appeared in three games now. He's got 24 strikeouts in 13 innings, uh, but had seven walks in seven innings before this. He's given up five hits in 13 innings, and Freddie Peralta is incredibly hard to hit. For his career, he's given up 7.3 hits per nine. Uh, he's had one season where that was higher than 6.8 so far out of his three. Um, so very impressed with what Freddie Peralta did today, and... I believe he was throwing uh, his slider quite a bit. Yeah, only 57% fastball usage, which for Freddie Peralta, that's like that's like what Joe Musgrove did the other night. Freddie Peralta historically has been about an 80% fastball guy, but he threw a slider 32 times. Uh, change up and curveball six and two times, uh, respectively. But you know the fact that he's not all fastballs right now is a pretty good sign. 
uh, and the slider got nine swinging strikes on 32 pitches. Um, it, it was like that in the first start for him too. I, yeah, it's it's a slower slider, but I think it's a better slider because it's been his leading whiff getter just in raw total. Each yeah, and he's been start. really searching for really a second pitch and then a third pitch since getting to the majors. He's got this uh, really tough fastball that just like comes out at a weird angle or he hides the ball well. It's one of those where hitters just can't pick up his fastball and he gets really good numbers with it. Um, and if he feels confident throwing his splitter 30 plus percent of the time, uh, I think Freddy Peralta could be really, really good. You mean the slider, right? Because you said splitter. Sorry, sorry, slider. Yeah, slider. just make sure. I did sure it yesterday that. with someone too. <laughs> uh, someone in the YouTube chat called him Fastball Freddy. Fastball Freddy no more. Yeah, he is using that pitch a lot less than he has in the past and going to that breaking pitch, whether it's you know a, slow, a slower slider uh, more than ever before. He's throwing his fastball 54% of the time this season. That has never been below 73% in any other yep. season. The only thing with Freddie Peralta, there's not really much actionable because, as you mentioned, Scott, he's 90% rostered on CBS. So he yeah. is, you know, basically rostered in, in nearly every league, especially in points leagues where he does have that SPARP eligibility. Scott, where would you rank Peralta just from a pure starting pitcher perspective for fantasy among Trevor Rogers, Carlos Rodon, Yusei Kikuchi, and Steven Matz? Probably number one. Probably number one, then Rogers. Then Rodon was still waiting to see that second start for Rodon. It would be nice to get that second start to really lock in the the new the new point of view I have on him. Uh, he had a upset stomach tonight, so he didn't get to go. But maybe tomorrow. I don't think they've confirmed it yet, but yeah, he had a he had a tummy ache. He was scratched on Monday again. That's <laughs> Carlos Rodon. I, I think I would take Trevor Rogers ahead of Freddie Peralta, but it is close. I was looking this up earlier. Rodgers has the, I think it's the third highest swinging strike rate in the league behind, it's like Jacob deGrom and Shane Bieber. So it's pretty good. I mean, it's already there's been enough uh, outliers weeded out that, because I know the whiff rate Rodgers has is comparable to the one deGrom had last year. But, you Mm -hmm. know, after two starts, I would assume there'd be a lot of like outliers, you know, 20%. Well, from Degrom last year was itself an outlier for uh, anything we've norm- we've seen from a pitcher before. You know, it's kind of interesting. I I was just I was trying to see where Freddie Peralta would be in my starting pitcher rankings, and I started searching for him, and I realized he wasn't in there. And I was like, wait, that that seems like a big oversight. He's actually not starting pitcher eligible yet. Yeah. So that is why uh, he is not in the starting pitcher ranks. I did not realize that. Yeah, um, I, th- I guess it's going to take five starts, right, on CBS for yep. him to get starting. Yeah, but. You know, in any league where you're where that matters, you're probably better off using him as an RP. Yeah, absolutely. Chris, what do you think between uh, Freddie Peralta versus Trevor Rogers? I would have Rogers higher. I, you know, mentioned on yesterday's podcast, I move Rogers up to 50. Um, and actually, I think I'd move him above Tyler Malley at this point, too. Um, uh, I think so. Uh, uh, but don't think so. I that's, think that's Freddy, at least the right range. <laughs> yeah, I think Freddie would be in that range. Yeah, I think like maybe above Tristan McKenzie, but below Jamison Tyone. I think that's where I'd put him. Yeah, yeah I, got, I, I got McKenzie a lot lower than you do. I yeah. did move Trevor Rogers up to 49th. Yesterday I said I was going to put him at 56. And once I started moving things around today, I'm like, nah, I'm just... I'm going to move him ahead of Herman Marquez and Dallas Keuchel and Michael Pineda. I think he has more I upside. Mean, so Trevor Rogers as a starter, like 
him versus Shohei Otani is really interesting because like we don't know when Shohei is going to pitch again. Yeah, yeah, um, he's not going to start this week. He's still dealing with that blister. Yeah. So just from a pure pitcher perspective, I probably would take Rogers ahead of Otani, but I think uh, this ranking is kind of all encompassing with his everything he does as a hitter too, which just great again on Monday. Otani three hits and three RBIs. So the guy is yeah, just two bad balls awesome. over 105 miles per hour today, including 119, which I believe is the hardest hit ball this season. All right, let's get to a few more players here because we're already, uh, what are we, 12 minutes into the podcast. Casey Mize against the Astros in A.J. Hinch's return to Houston. Seven innings of shutout ball with five strikeouts to two walks. He only had six whiffs, so maybe you don't get too excited about it, but this is the first time in his career he's completed six innings, and he also went seven innings. So I thought it was pretty impressive to see from Casey Mize going into Houston and against a really good lineup, you know, a lineup that really does not swing and miss all that much, and they usually make a lot of hard contact. So 61% rostered is the number for Casey Mize. His start next week, because he is already in a two-star week this week, his start next week will be against the Kansas City Royals. So I'm just going to run through the list of most added starting pitchers, and you guys tell me, would you rather have Casey Mize or that pitcher? The most added starting pitcher right now is Wade Miley, I assume because of the two-star week, but who would you rather have, Mize or, or Miley? Mize. Mize. Casey Mize or Johnny Cueto? Mize. Mize. Casey Mize or Steven Matz? Mize. I think Mize, but I've been more impressed by Matz so far this season. Yeah, that one was super close for me. I think I would lean Mize as well. I think the upside is a little bit higher just because we don't really know what Casey Mize could be yet. Uh, Mize or Dane Dunning? Mize. Yeah, I agree. Dane Dunning was really good, but the Rangers are being very cautious with him. He only threw 71 pitches on Monday. Uh, Casey yeah, Mize or... Back. What's up? Yeah, the... the that was a plan coming out of spring training. I, yeah. I lowered Dunning. He might be barely inside my top 100 because they wanted him uh, as part of a piggyback situation. So I, I don't know that you should, you know, maybe he'll be so impressive in these four or five inning stints that they'll eventually make him a more traditional starter. Um, by the way, on those 71 pitches, Dunning had believe it was just four swinging strikes. He's, he's gone real sinker heavy with yep. the Rangers, which maybe is going to lead to better outcome overall, but it, it is going to limit his ceiling if he's if he's going to be a low low whiff pitcher. Yeah, definitely going to lower his ceiling uh, for Roto in terms of getting strikeouts and in points leagues because we do need volume in terms of innings pitched. So I don't know that Dunning is going to give you either one of those things. Casey Mize or John Gray? Mize. Mize. Mize or Enoa? Mize. Mize. Mize or Rodon? Rodon. Finally, fa- finally found one. I think that's close, yeah. <laughs> Mize or Trevor Rogers? I may change Rogers. my mind uh, depending on how Rodon does tomorrow. But yeah, yeah, Rogers over Mize. Mize or Yusei Kikuchi? Ooh, what do you Kikuchi do, Chris? Oh, Kikuchi. Mm, yeah. I would take Kikuchi yeah, as well. Kikuchi. And last but not least, neither, neither of them are getting many stri- swinging strikes, which is kind of interesting. Um, Kikuchi's at least getting strikeouts. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, this was a concern for Mize when he was coming up. Not so much a concern, but just kind of like Sixto Sanchez. Okay, the stuff yeah. looks awesome. We have a pretty good feeling he's going to be a good pitcher, but will he be even an average strikeout pitcher? Uh, those questions surrounded Mize just like they did for Sanchez. And now that we see him having success without strikeouts, I think not an open and shut case, obviously, but there seems like there's something to that. Last but not least, a battle of the Tigers, Casey Mize or Matthew Boyd. 
Mize. Oh, Mize. I am definitely on an island here, but I'm going to take Matthew Boyd. I like what I've seen, and I like his improved, uh, increased change-up usage. I think that's really helped his arsenal so far. But I do like Casey Mize quite a bit as well. The pressure continues to mount as the world's top teams compete for soccer's most coveted trophy. The Champions League is down to the final eight, and you can stream every match live on Paramount Plus as they cut the field to four teams following this week's second leg of the quarterfinal stage. Don't miss a minute of world-class soccer, including PSG versus Bayern Munich, Real Madrid versus Liverpool, Paramount Plus, live sports, breaking news, and a mountain of entertainment. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it for free. Before we hit the news and notes, let's just talk about Tyler Glass now because the guy is just absolutely ridiculous. Uh, (laughs) Going up against the Texas Rangers, seven and two-thirds shutout, two hits, one walk, 14 strikeouts, 27 whiffs on 102 pitches. Tyler Glass now has 29 strikeouts to three walks through his first three starts, and I think he has a legit three-pitch arsenal, which... Oh yeah, something that has held him back in the past. He 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 was mostly fastball curveball in the in the past. He has this slider cutter hybrid pitch now that he used twenty three percent of the time on Monday. I will point out his three starts have been against the Marlins, the Red Sox, and the Rangers. So two of those were great matchups. Scott is is Tyler Glass now a top ten starting pitcher rest of season? He would have to leapfrog some real proven talent, but he's making a case for it right now. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think of who I have at the back end of that. I feel like it's guys like Flaherty and Bueller. Yeah, that would be Luis Castillo, Jack Flaherty, Clayton Kershaw, who you have 9, 10, and 11. My biggest concern about Glass now coming in was would he be just a five-inning pitcher? He's gone six-plus in all three starts. He's gone six-plus in all three starts. Part of that is the effect of having that third pitch. Uh, They trust him the third time through the lineup more. And he's just been very effective. But that slider, I, I think he, on all three of his starts, he's used it even more than his curveball. So he has a yep. lot of trust in it. And it's been effective. And uh, yeah, I think I'm ready to move him up that high. Now, he's, there's still like a, the cumulative inning concern where how how long has it been since he's taken on a, you know, you know had like 150 inning season. I think you got to go back to like 2017 or something yeah, like so. that. So there is that concern, but I, I don't, for the rest of that group, there are the rest of that group has its own concerns, and Glass now is just blowing everybody away right now. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at my pitcher rankings, and the only if we're just talking who I think is a better pitcher, I think I as as I get to seven before I think Glass now is better than everyone else, just in terms of like who if I needed one start. I think I would take Giolito, Darvish, Bauer over him. But like at this point, I, I'm convinced Tyler Glass now is better than Luis Castillo, Aaron Nola, Clayton Kershaw. Um, I wouldn't go ahead of Nola personally. I wouldn't go ahead of Nola either. But I was higher on I Nola. I mean, Nola's than... really good. But yep. this, I mean, the version of Tyler Glass now that we've seen since the start of the 2019 season has been pretty close to Aaron Nola over that stretch. Yeah. Um, I, I it's more about pitch. innings, and that and that's where yeah, I think like I would innings. I would it's rank no. That's what I'm saying. I would rank I would probably rank Nola Castillo Kershaw Woodruff over him, but and I think the same goes for Corbin Burns. I think Tyler Glass now and Corbin Burns. I'm just going to keep moving the two of them up together. I think they're as good as anyone outside of maybe you know the top 
three and maybe you know the the next few. Um, in both cases, it's just I'm still going to be skeptical skeptical about how they're going to hold up to a full season and whether they can keep going six innings consistently. That's been an issue for Glass now in particular. Burns, it's actually hasn't been an issue for him. He just hasn't done it. So I actually may feel more confident in Burns' ability to do it. Like Glassnow's given up seven hits in 19 and two-thirds innings, and he has a 194 BABIP. Like, I thought it was going to be way lower than that just because he's given up so few. Like, he's just been so utterly dominant. Uh, 42% strikeout rate, and he just looks impossible right now. He, I think he had 27 whiffs today. That that yeah. That's the sort of number you'd only see last year from DeGrom, and then Giolito had a stretch like that, too. Yeah. But um, I know DeGrom and Cole are the only two that have done that so far this season. Now Tyler Glass now joins, you know, obviously those two, but... Yeah, and, and in this start, it was like he got back to using the curveball more because the first couple of starts, he actually didn't really use the curveball. Uh, he got seven whiffs on 19 pitches with that one and six on 23 with the slider. So it's just, I don't know what you do against Tyler Glass now right now. I guess you you hope he starts throwing balls. Yeah. I, but, look, there is still downside to him because obviously yeah. there's injury <clears throat> risk. He had the forearm a couple of years ago and that mm-hmm. limited him back in 2019. And the walks were a huge issue, issue, issue last year, but maybe this new slider cutter pitch that he has, you know, helps him kind of command and, everything better. I mean, that's kind of been the case for you, Darvish, where Darvish started yeah. throwing his cutter and it helped his command tremendously. So it could be one of those things where it just ultimately helps all around for glass now. Yeah. So we're going to do some buy low and sell high a little bit later on. Scott, if someone offers you right now, Luis Castillo or Jack Flaherty for glass now, you're, you're saying no. I'm saying no. Okay. I'm saying yeah. no, you got You got to come in stronger than that. You got to come with like, it's got to be then Darvish ba- or Bauer or Giolito or Darvish because that's that next tier. I don't mm-hmm. even know if I could trade Tyler Glass now right now. Just peer, just just. Well, that's a sell too, high. This is the ultimate sell high, it's, right? It's <laughs> that's the thing. Like I'm reluctant to make a move if I'm not confident I'm getting the better end of it. So if it's like, yeah, virtually the same, and I just rank one guy a little higher, I just yeah. be like, eh, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't want to. Uh, have the regret of having made that move when I didn't need to. You know? Well, I think that's kind of the nature of these kind of like challenge trades, right? When you're just trading two very similar players at the same position. And that's why I don't really like ever doing those kind of trades because one, you're inherently not trading from a position of need or of strength. Like if you're pl- p- trading one position for another, unless they're very different players, unless it's like a Adalberto Mondesi for Corey Seager kind of thing where you're getting very different types of players. But when you're talking about Corbin Burns and, and Luis Castillo, or sorry, Tyler Glass now and Luis Castillo, like that's just like maybe one of them sprains their ankle and misses three weeks and you lost the trade that way. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think they're so close in value that there's there's no real reason to make that trade unless you believe Tyler Glass now is just now in the Shane Bieber, Garrett Cole, Jacob deGrom range, which <laughs> there's a non-zero chance now is what I will say. Yeah, it's it's not the craziest thing to say. I guess, look, the only way you try to sell high on him for one of those pitchers is if you are actually worried about that forearm elbow popping back up or just the walks coming back. Because at this point, that seemed, those two things seem like the only thing that can uh, hamper Tyler 
Glass now. Would you try like lumping glass now? I know we've talked about glass now for too long, but lumping yeah. glass now in with like a mid-level hitter to get like a Shane Bieber? My answer would be yes. You could try that. That that would be that would be the only kind of scenario where I see myself moving glass now, though. Yeah, yeah. To get one of those top three starting pitchers, and yeah. I guess if you if you have hitter depth, it's not it's not the craziest thing, right? Yeah. Those guys are just so much more proven. So, I, yeah, I like that. I like that idea, Scott. Some news and notes. Zach Gallen will return on Tuesday and start against the Oakland A's. He threw 67 pitches in his most re- recent rehab start. So maybe he gets up to 80 or so pitches his first time out here against Oakland. Anthony Rendon was placed on the 10-day IL with a strained groin. He usually misses around 15 to 20 games per season anyway. So... Hopefully, this is the only time he misses this year. Juan Ligaris was also scratched from the lineup for the Angels. Jared Walsh was in right field. A gentleman named Jose Rojas was at third base. Really interesting minor league numbers for Rojas, by the way. And Albert Pujols was at first base. Yesterday, I mentioned Joe Adele as a stash due to the Dexter Fowler injury. But a few people hit me up today and they said, don't forget about Brandon Marsh, who might also be close. Brandon Marsh is a 23-year-old prospect for the Angels, former second-round pick in 2016. And he has a 799 career OPS in the minors, which is not great, but he does hit for good batting average and has some speed. He is 12% rostered. So any thoughts on stashing Brandon Marsh right now? He apparently made, he had a really good 2019 Arizona Fall League and apparently had made some changes to his batting stance. I think he's holding his hands further apart or further away from his body and it was helping him develop more power because he's always been uh, a guy who was you know, would put on shows in, in batting practice, but hadn't necessarily figured out how to put that into action during games. Um, I I don't know. I've seen people suggest that Brandon Marsh might be ahead of Joe Adele in the Angels hierarchy now. I He had a, he had a labrum issue this spring. He didn't even... Yeah, he, he only had 14 at-bats in the spring, whereas Adele oh, he had, had he did get 25 okay. or, or 25 or so. My guess would be it's yeah. still Adele first, but... You know, I guess one thing would be because Adele's service time already started, they could call up Marsh in May and, you know, still keep Adele, you know, maybe get an extra year of service time or whatever. Um, I generally think I have a mailbag column going out tomorrow and I wrote about, I generally think the top prospects, and we talked about this a little last week maybe, but I think we're probably not going to see most of them until the minor league games start. I think it's probably going to be like you're going to see most of them get like a week or two at least, even if they just just a perfunctory like, oh, he needed to work on his defense, that kind of thing. And well, there is a magic date coming up. Uh, 16 days into the season is when a, after 16 days is when a team can call up a player, keep him up the rest of the season and still yeah. get, you know, it not count as a year of service time. So that would be Saturday is the first day they could be called up. I certainly don't expect to see any of them Saturday because that's just too transparent what's happening <laughs> if they do it on the exact day. Yeah. But I was thinking maybe as early as like Monday, we could yeah. see Jared Kelnick, Wander Franco, maybe Alex Kirilov, though I'm less confident in that. Uh, th- those are really the three I'm looking at, hopefully seeing here in, in, uh, in mid to late April. And Tampa could really use the help in their lineup right now because they are just as great as their pitching has been and their bullpen always is. It's 
they're just not really hitting the ball well right now. Matt Bush for the Rangers was diagnosed with a flexor tendon strain in his right arm on Monday and will miss at least 12 weeks, which is relevant because my man, Demarcus Evans, threw live batting practice on Sunday, and he is working his way back from a lat injury. Uh, Demarcus Evans, a prospect for the Rangers back in 2019 in the minors. He had a 0.90 ERA and a 1.03 whip. How? How can you have a whip higher than your ERA? Well, he walks a lot of guys, but he also strikes everyone out. He had 100 strikeouts and 60 innings pitched with 12 saves. I think eventually Evans could take over as the closer for the Rangers if Ian Kennedy falters or if he is traded. Carlos Rodon was scratched Monday. We mentioned it with an upset stomach. Dallas Keuchel started in his place. The Diamondbacks placed Christian Walker on the 10-day IL with a right oblique strain as Drupal Cabrera started at first base on Monday. Marcus Stroman will start Tuesday against the Phillies after having his start rained out on Sunday. He was originally scheduled to face the Rockies this week in Colorado, so that's an upgrade in, in matchup, I would say, for Marcus Stroman. Tim Anderson is expected back for the White Sox when first eligible this Thursday. Carlos Carrasco, who is rehabbing his hamstring injury, uh, has been stretched out to four innings. He is currently week-to-week, week, so some good news there on the Carrasco front. Josh Bell, Kyle Schorber, and Josh Harrison were all, were all back in the lineup for the Nationals on Monday, the first time each of them uh, played this season following their COVID situation there. Luke Voigt for the Yankees is, quote, doing really well in his recovery from knee surgery and could begin baseball activities next week. Adrian Morejon was placed on the 10-day IL, which we expected with a left forearm strain on Monday. We still don't know who is going to fill in for him, but it doesn't sound like it's going to be Denelson Lamette, at least not this time through the order. There was a report that he needs to make at least one more start at the alternate training site uh, until he joins the Padres. And three games were postponed on Monday. The Red Sox and Twins, the Mariners and Orioles, and the Phillies Mets. Email of the day. This one's from Jeremy. Is this the worst opening week of all time? My commish traded Joe Musgrove weeks before the season started to the team he was facing in week one. In a close matchup coming down to the Braves and Phillies game, my commish had closer Will Smith pitching. Because of the blown call at home plate, the commish takes a minus three-point hit and loses by one-third of a point. On top of that, he had botched LASIK surgery on his eye this past Friday, though he's going to be fine. So it's good to know that he's going to be all right, but man... Insult to injury, you trade Musgrove away, he dominates, he throws a no-hitter, and then you lose on the final play of the week, which was a botch call anyway. So That's rough. Not great, Bob. Not great, Bob. Waiver Wire starting pitcher, we spoke about most of these names already. Uh, Waskar Inoa spoke about Casey Mize as well. What about these two, Albert Alzali and Alex Cobb? Alzali was dealing against the Christian Yelich-less Brewers lineup. Five and a third, three hits, three earned, one walk, six Ks. The final line, he actually left without allowing a run. The bases were loaded. The Cubs' bullpen went on to crap the bed. But 14 whiffs on 68 pitches for uh, Alzali. And if StatCast is correct, he completely ditched his four-seam fastball in the start in favor of his sinker. He is only 31% rostered. Uh, Alex Cobb, the other one. Five and two-thirds, three earned runs, 10 strikeouts. Another one where he actually left with only allowing one run, and then the bullpen kind of failed him there. Uh, 16 of his whiffs came on the splitter. So, Meh. between 19 these two, whiffs total, 16 on the splitter. What do you think, Scott, uh, between Alzali and Cobb? Who do you like more? That's a tough question. It's a tough question because both of them 
have, well, at least Alzelay in this start, Slider was his most used pitch, and Slider was the pitch he just came up with last year and suddenly started missing bats. Appears to be his best pitch. He threw it more, threw it 47% of the time in this start, according to StatCast. Splitter's always been known to be Alex Cobb's pitch, but he used it as a secondary pitch. This year, in both of his starts, he's used it as his primary pitch. And as we mentioned, it was responsible for 16 of the 19 whiffs. So both of them, Albert Alzali, Alex Cobb, making the simple adjustment of using their best pitch more, which is often a recipe for a breakout. You know, as much as I talked up Enola at the start of the show, I think I would go for both of these guys over him. Uh, I, I, there's enough potential there. Alzali, who would I prioritize between Alzali and Cobb? I think, I think, I think I'd go Cobb. Cobb. Yeah, I think Cobb. Alzali just, just he's not gonna he's not gonna get that young guy treatment, you know? Yeah, like that's my concern is that Alzali just may be like a five-ish inning guy every right. time out. Right. I wonder, is it as easy as just saying Cobb and points and Alzali and Roto? Because I, no. I, I think the strikeouts could be really good for Alzali. I think they could be good for Cobb. <laughs> really good for Cobb so far, yeah. I I looked into this. His first four starts last year for Alex Cobb, he had a 2.75 ERA. His final six starts, 5.23 ERA. So, I don't know. Yeah. Like, we saw him get off to a good start last year, and it, it didn't really turn into anything. Maybe he's different. He's I mean, he's throwing right. a splitter so much more than ever. Maybe, not like yeah, maybe this. He's just not, not a start like this, and he's not with he's with the Angels instead of the Orioles now, right? Which you know, yeah, they did it for uh, they did it for Dylan, Dylan Bundy, Bundy right? Exactly. Pretty well. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I look. Cobb has a long track record of mediocrity, but when he was starting out, he was like the next big thing in Tampa, and just kind of kind of came unraveled with injuries, and I I'm not sure he's been in the right hands. Since then, there's always been this kind of, I don't know, this residual feeling of, of like untapped potential that he'd flash from time to time. And he's flashing it really hard right now. So I'm look, he's not up there with like the Rogers and Rondones, but he's, he's, uh, he's worth taking a chance on, I think, at this point. All right. I'm going to take Alzali and Roto. I'm going to take Cobb and Points Leagues. I, I like both. Fair enough. But, um, yeah, I was I was touting Alzali before the season, and, and so far I'm and not cop. I hear you on that. Yeah, yeah. strikeouts look pretty good there for uh, for both. Actually, I'm not gonna just talk up one and not the other. If you are watching on the video side, don't go anywhere. If you are listening to the audio side, we're gonna take a quick break. But when we return, we have some trade targets, some buy low and sell high. Yes, this early in the season, we'll do it next. Fantasy baseball today. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property, it's the location and neighborhood. Homes.com offers in-depth neighborhood guides with detailed video overviews, comprehensive narratives, and unbiased information from a multitude of sources. You thought we go in-depth with player analysis on Fantasy Baseball today? You haven't seen anything yet. 
Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. All right, so let's start with some buy low, or you might want to call this one a buy low. Brandon Lau, batting 156 to start the season. And we got a question from Ben via email, fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. He said, could you briefly talk about Brandon Lau's slow start if there's anything concerning? So, Chris, what do you think about Brandon Lau? Would you actually try to buy low on him, or are you worried? I wasn't super high on Lau coming into the season. I had him as a... I don't know if he ever made any of my bust columns, but I definitely was lower on him than the consensus. Um, There are lots of reasons to be concerned. He's been bad so far, and it's not just because he's hitting 156. You can hit 156 and, and not be bad, but... Uh, his average exit velocity is 84.8 miles per hour. He has zero barrels. He's only his hardest hit ball so far has been 104.8 miles per hour. He's striking out too much. I think he'll get better, but I'm not so high on him that I would that I would make a a point of going out to get him. I think he can be a, a useful player. I think he he can be a fantasy starter. Um, and if you know someone is really looking to move out from, from under him, then yeah, I would, I would buy low, but I wouldn't, it's not like I'm looking to do it in any of my leagues right now. I think at the, the, like the depth of the league where you could potentially buy low on, on Lau, <laughs> that depth of league, he might be on the verge of being dropped. I know I dropped him at one point last year. Cause we saw these dramatic swings in production from him. It was yeah. a 12 team head to head league. So pretty shallow league, but yeah, it's, it's really hard to say. Like he might hit six home runs next week, you know, like that. That's what I feel like the kind of player we're dealing with here. Yeah, he is super streaky. Again, the name Brandon Lau. And to start the season entering Monday, he was 0 for for 9, 12 total plate appearances uh, against left-handed pitching while he was 3 for 23 against right-handed pitching. Just strikes me as a guy who's better for Roto. You plug him in, end of season numbers should hopefully be there, but... In a head-to-head points or categories league, man, there's going to be a lot of inconsistency. Uh, but specifically in Roto, if, if you can get him like super cheap, I still think he can wind up being a 25-ish home run, 10-steal kind of guy. Again, that is Brandon Lau. Scott, I texted you early at, earlier and asked if you have any names that you want to talk about as a buy low, and you said uh, Marcelo Zuna, although I feel like we can put the entire Braves team on this list outside of Ronald Acuna. Marcelo Zuna, so far this season, is betting 139 with a 383 OPS. But he does have a pretty good track record, obviously. Yeah, and he's striking out over 35% of the time. There's there's really been nothing redeeming about his start to the season. And I can't I can't really give you a spin like, oh, well, this number looks good, so he's going to be fine. I, I just think it's 10 games. I have a pretty good idea of who Marcelo Zuna is. I'm not going to abandon that after 10 games. And uh, if, somebody wants, if somebody else wants to do that, I'll happily, I'll happily take advantage. Well, Chris, earlier you said that you can hit, you know, 156 or whatever and actually still be a good baseball player. That's exactly how I feel about Ozzy Albies, who, despite batting 135, 
has a 296 expected batting average. He has a 270 slugging percentage with a 515 expected slug. So it's going to take a little bit more because obviously Albies was, you know, either a third or fourth round pick depending on your league. But if anybody is freaking out, this is, you know, one of those players that I think you you should try and get. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be worried about him. I, I don't think he's going to slug 515 and hit 320 or whatever the, the numbers are, but I think he's he's going to be just fine. Like this is this is the kind of thing I think with most of these guys, just remember, remind yourself it's two weeks. It's not even two weeks into the season. We're 12 days, 13 days into the season. So Drop like the segment, Stop. The anything segment. can happen in two weeks. What happened, Scott? Lucas Sims just got the save. For the Reds. Oh. Amir Garrett's been bad so far. He didn't even work in the game. He didn't even work. It was it was Wade Miley for for five or six. Five. TJ Anton for two. And then Lucas Sims comes in and gets uh, the save. Anton hadn't uh, uh I'm sorry. I'm I'm seeing um, Miley for five, Anton for three point two, and then Sims got the final out. Yeah. That's what I'm seeing too. Oh. Sims literally got one out and he one got out. the save. Oh man, this is. I'm very frustrated right now because I started okay. Corey okay. Knebel. So, okay, sorry <laughs> about that. I I think that might just be he happened to be warming up at that moment. Although yeah. I like I I think it's not a hundred percent guaranteed that Amir Garrett gets the next save. No, it's not. Uh, it's it, not. You know, as much as we like him, he's really only had the short good season in the majors, you know, he hasn't been a particularly consistent pitcher. So, right. You know, it's not like he has a huge track record to fall back on. Right. Uh, right. I am just so frustrated because in a very deep league, I started uh, Corey Knebel over Lucas Sims this week, <laughs> a league that I could really use saves too. So that, that hurts. Don't love you that. Missed, one. You missed out on a save. Yep. Never that's feels, not a great, never feeling. A good feeling. Uh, let's hit a few more by lows here. A few uh, outfielders that have pretty fair track records, Charlie Blackman and Tommy Pham, both off to very slow starts here, Scott. Uh, which one would you... I mean, is there anything that you're seeing from either one that makes you very confident that they're going to bounce back outside of their track record, obviously? No. Uh, I, I, To be honest, I haven't had reason to look into them yet. Um, well, they're both I mean, batting Black, below 200. Blackman's actually hitting the ball much harder than he usually does and striking out less. So that immediately that stands out to me. It's worth it pointing out. Time. I think they've played seven to ten games at home or six of nine, whatever it is. I feel like you should have put up better numbers there. Come on, Blackman. Yeah. No, um, I think Blackman yeah. is a buy-low candidate. I think he's a legitimate buy-low candidate. He's one of the few that I, I would actually try to go out and get right now because... There's a decent chance. It's all about perception. I think there's a decent chance that the person who drafted Charlie Blackman was just like, oh, fine. I'll take <laughs> Charlie Blackman. Yeah. Ugh. And so they probably view him as somewhat uh, risky or possibly expendable anyway. And I don't think he is. I think as long as he calls Coors Field home, he's got probably going to hit 290 or better. Yeah. And I don't see any cause for alarm here with fam either. I, He's 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 just had so many um, so many setbacks over the years that you just wonder. He's, he's not a young guy. He's thirty three. You just wonder if it. I wondered already coming into the season if it was catching up to him. But like, as a general rule, anybody who is drafted inside the top one hundred, uh, or even later than that, if it's a like a roto league, 
I'll buy low on any of them, you know? Like that's that's not a player that I'm I've uh abandoned hope for. Yeah, I I'm in on Tommy Fan. I, I liked him coming into the year. He's batting 118. His expected batting average is 253. His slugging percentage is 118 as well. His expected slug is 521. So Tommy Fan is actually making pretty hard contact, just doesn't really have much to show for it. And uh you know, anytime you can get exposure to the Padres lineup, one of the best in baseball, it's uh, something I would look into doing. For the Yankees, I mean, they're struggling up and down a lot like the Braves lineup thus far. Is there anyone that you wouldn't want to buy low on? Like, obviously, Stanton, we liked him coming in. Uh, Glaber Torres, you know, kind of want to see something out of him after a really bad 2020 season. Clint Frazier had sat out two games before playing on Monday, uh, and he's batting 185. Is there anyone that you would actively not try to target as a buy low? It would have to be a pretty deep league for me to call Frazier a buy low, I think. Like, I think Frazier's better than this. I think he's probably going to be fine. But in like a 12-team, three-outfielder league, I'm, I'm probably closer to dropping him than trading for him just because only so many outfielders can be rostered. Because mm, a five-outfielder league, like a 15-team, yeah, yeah. five-outfielder league, you know then I could see how I might consider Frazier a buy low. Uh, Chris, we made a trade today. We did. And I I, I, I'll, I just want one quick thing. Sure. Um, Shohei Otani is one of three hitters in baseball this season with two batted balls of at least 115 miles per hour. Bryce Harper is one of the other ones. Him and Otani both have two. Uh, let me see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. So... The nine other hitters who have hit a ball at least 115 miles per hour have uh, 11 of them combined between them. Giancarlo Stanton by himself has five. Five batted balls over 115 miles per hour. Buy law on Giancarlo Stanton. <laughs> Go get Giancarlo Stanton. Uh, we made a trade, Chris, earlier. Speaking of Otani, I traded you Kesson Hira in a points league, and you gave us Shohei Otani, uh, which, you know, in a weekly points league, it's probably Otani's least valuable yeah. format, I would say, but he's that, still awesome. Yeah. So I was like, that was why I was willing to trade him. If it was a, a different type of format, I think, you know, that that's, you know, I would prefer not to move him, but I wasn't using him as a starter, a starting pitcher or a, a DH. Um, so I felt comfortable that I could move him. I'd lost Catal Marte. I was scrambling in a lot of leagues to replace Catal Marte in my lineup this week. Um, and I just figured I'd, I'd aim for some upside. I know you, I noticed you had Keston here on the bench. I figured you'd go for it. It's a, it's a definitely a trade I could lose. Um, I, I think there's a lot of risk, but I was looking for for upside with my second base replacement. I can slide him to first base if I need to eventually. Um, if he does figure it out, and you know, one thing I'm looking for with Keston here is reasons to be optimistic and. On Saturday, he had four batted balls of at least 101.9 miles per hour. That's really, really good. That's that's really, really rare. And, you know, it's just a sign to me that, you know, maybe he's starting to figure things out. It was also, I think, uh, the first game of the season where he didn't strike out twice. I believe he didn't strike out twice again today. So it's all about baby <laughs> steps here with my guy, Keston Hira. Um, but yeah, it was an upside trade. I, I readily acknowledge the risk, but I think there's risk going both ways. Shohei Otani, I think, all obviously has a lot of risk. When you're keeping track of your, if your hitters are striking out uh, two <laughs> times or more in a game, it's, 
Yeah, yeah, that was uh, that. That's that's what I was looking for. Just good, come good on. Thing you weren't trading for Jorge Soler, who <laughs> you're. you're what do you have? Like nine, eight, nine straight at bats with a strikeout. Yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, so you know, things could be worse for Keston here. You know, you yeah. you make all your jokes, but uh, could always you know, be worse. at least he's not Jorge Soler. At least he's not Jorge Soler. Three potential sell high candidates. Just let me know if you think they actually are or not. Will Myers, who Scott, I know you liked, and. He was another one where I felt like, not to the same extent as Blackman, but people were kind of, ah, I don't really know how to feel about Will Myers. He was really good for two months last year, yada, yada. He's been really good thus far. Three for five on Monday with his third home run of the season. He had five RBI. He's now batting 350 with an 11-10 OPS. Nolan Arenado is thus far hitting 300 with a 849 OPS. He did have three strikeouts on Monday. And Randy Rosarena. Apparently, severely outperforming his expected stats thus far. I think he has something like a 70% ground ball rate and a 32% strikeout rate. Those aren't really good numbers. So, between Myers, Arenado, Arizona, uh, Arizona, a Rose of Reina, would you be trying to sell high on any of them early in the season? I don't think so. Like, if you're telling me I could have Ozuna for Will Myers, then yeah, but it would have to be very high that I'm selling him. And I just, like, I don't. I don't often do a sell high trade because I think it's very transparent what I'm trying to do when people just say no on principle. Um, but you know, I believed in Will Myers coming in. I still believe in him. I think he's going to keep putting up good numbers for me. I'd Arosa Reina. I have the least confidence in, but I, I also don't think he's, I, I don't know that the receiver would feel so confident they're buying high because, or, that I don't think it's high enough that you could call it a sell high, really, because he's he's underperformed his draft position still, right? Yeah, yeah. Before we hit on the rest of Monday's action, just wanted to re- remind our FPT listeners that March Madness and the Masters may be over, but the sports calendar never sleeps. There's the NHL trades deadline, daily NBA, NHL, and MLB action, the RBC Heritage Tournament, NFL Draft News, plus the UEFA quarterfinals. And CBS Sports HQ is your home for all of it. CBS Sports HQ is the only sports news streaming service that's completely free. How do you watch CBS Sports HQ? It's easy. It's available for free on your computer, your mobile device, or your connected TV via CBS Sports apps. If you're more of a YouTube person, subscribe to the CBS Sports HQ on YouTube for all of the sports news videos on demand. The rest of Monday's action Robbie Ray made his season debut against the Yankees. Five innings pitched of two-run ball. Three walks, three strikeouts, eight whiffs on 84 pitches. The fastball velocity was up almost a tick from last year. Any takeaways, Robbie Ray? What's almost a tick mean? It was 0.8 miles per hour. Is is a tick a definite unit of measurement? Because I always assumed it was just... I always (laughs) thought a tick was one mile per hour. Okay. I'm yeah. I'm maybe it is. How, I'm how fairly confident. Tick yeah, I'm fa- I, I've used a tick just as it's a colloquialism, but I've used a yeah. tick as a you know as as a as a as an as, integer, yeah, like a one like, one mile per hour generally. Okay. Okay. So, I, you know, I just thought it was that. like an indefinite measurement. Maybe you're right. <laughs> Look, I don't know now. Now I'm second. I, my I, I'm myself. willing to be wrong. I've never had it explained to me. That's just how I interpret it. It's a colloquial term. Don't let let Scott talk you. Not talk you out of it. <laughs> oh man! Well, today on the adventures of what's falling in Chris Towers' room, because that was my that was my space heater <laughs> under my desk. It's been cold the last few days. I accidentally kicked it. I'm sorry. Uh, since Nate Lowe's two homer game, he is 0 for 17 with eight strikeouts. So 
Good thing I was excited about him uh, last <laughs> week. Scott, would you <laughs> would you drop Nate Lowe right now, the, the way that he's playing? Well, I did have in my in my sleeper hitters for this week, so I hope he turns things around just for that. I mean, I don't like how much he's striking out. I, I, I like the playing time he's getting. I like the power he's shown, but got to cut down on those strikeouts or I just... I don't think he's going to meet the meet the mixed league threshold if he if he does that. So I, I think he's I think he's expendable in anything shallower than fifteen teams. Would you rather have him or Akil Badu if you just need oh, a hit? Yeah, Badu hit another Give home me all run. The Badu. I'm taking Badu even in shallow leagues. Just just he had a four hundred fifty foot home run today. Like And it was off of Zach Granke too. Yeah. He's, he's, got, he's got legit major league skills. I like him. I like Badu quite a bit. Sandy Alcantara was at the Braves, six and a third, four hits, three runs, three walks to four strikeouts. Not the best, but obviously a tougher matchup here against the Braves. He has delivered a quality start in each of his first three games. That is Sandy Alcantara. Speaking of Zach Greinke, going up against the Tigers, cakewalk, right? Got a, It's a great matchup. Four and two thirds, 10 hits, six earned, three walks. He threw a 51 mile per hour EFIS pitch. Apparently the slowest pitch in a game since 2008. Was this just a hiccup for Granky or anything actually concerning? Just a hiccup. Fair I'm enough. inclined to say that also, though his velocity has been closer to 2020 than anything that came before 2020. Probably yeah, not. His 2020 was not his greatest season. His peripherals were mostly fine. I, I, yeah. I'm not worried. We already spoke about Lucas Sims in that Reds game. Uh, Wade Miley, the final line, five shutout with three strikeouts. Is anybody actually excited about Wade Miley, or is it just, hey, he gave me a good start in a two-start week? Yeah, I haven't been excited about Miley since he signed with the Astros back when we thought <laughs> the Astros were magical. Right. And uh, <laughs> no, he has he has good starts from time to time, and he wouldn't have he wouldn't have lasted so long if he if that wasn't the case. He's a streamer. If you play in a daily lineup league, I will say his next start comes against Cleveland. So obviously, we like streaming pitchers against Cleveland. Tyler Naquin, Scott, you just spent a whole bunch of money on him. He was out of the lineup on Monday. Jesse Winker went two for four with his first home run of the season. Yeah. Doesn't really bode, bode well for uh, for Naquin. And well, this is this is kind of the issue with that we brought up with him, right? It's, if everyone's healthy, it's, is Naquin mm-hmm. still going to play every day? I don't know. Yeah, the last time Winker returned for a game, they gave Senzel a day off. It didn't surprise me, Winker coming back and them not wanting to give Senzel a day off today. Maybe Castellanos gets a day off tomorrow. I, I don't know. I, I don't think I don't think they're just going to straight up bench Naquin, but it will eventually get to that point if he doesn't keep performing. We have five minutes left on the podcast, and I have a lot I want to get to. So rapid fire, everything. Deep waiver wire names. Renato Nunez, first game with the Tigers. Second game with the Tigers? I don't know. He went two for four with a double and a home run. He is 4% rostered. Second. Jed Lowry has had multiple hits in three straight. He's batting third for the Oakland A's, 16% rostered. Uh, and Trevor Cahill, five innings of one-run ball with eight strikeouts against the Padres. And he is SPARP eligible. So, kind of interesting. Nunez, Lowry, Trevor Cahill. Any interests, Chris? Deeper leagues. I think Nunez and Lowry are both worth uh, a look. And I actually added Lowry and, and started him this week in several leagues. He is my Catal Marte replacement <laughs> in several leagues because there just weren't a lot of good second base options. Um, but, you know, there's been some stuff that's come out about the way the Mets handled him and the, they he needed to get knee surgery and they wouldn't let him get knee surgery. Hmm. Um, 
He says he feels better than he has in years, which, you know, given the fact that he's barely played over the last two seasons, that that seems like a given. Yeah, I th- like he was uh, his last the last time he actually was able to play. He was pretty good, right? <laughs> it's going back so, so far that well, that's uh, 2018. Yeah, the contract he, with the Mets. Yeah, 2018, he had 23 homers, 99 RBI, 78 runs, uh, 801 OPS. He had an 808 OPS the, the season prior. So I I think he's at least worth taking a look at. The problem is, you know, he's probably better in a points league. And there's not... Sorry, you were you wanted to go fast. Jeff <laughs> no, this yeah, it's... The worst, it's it, the worst it, rapid-fire segment ever. Yeah, it's, it, if you want to just talk about Jed Lowry for five more minutes, Chris, we could just end the podcast. And <laughs> yeah, I think we probably should. So Jed Lowry was born in <laughs> All right, the call to the pen. We are going to update you on every bullpen. Well, not every bullpen, but what, anything that mattered from Monday. Diego Castillo allowed a hit and a walk. He picked up his third save of the seat. The season, Yimi Garcia recorded four outs across the ninth and the tenth inning, came away with the win for the Marlins. Anthony Bass was used in the seventh. For the Brewers, Josh Hader picked up his first save of the season. For the Nationals, Brad Hand picked up his first save of the season, but it took him 26 pitches to do so. Maybe he doesn't pitch tomorrow. For Cleveland, a lot of guys back, by the way. Josh Bell back in the lineup, Kyle Schwarber. It was Hand's first appearance of the season, right? I believe so. For Cleveland, he had been back a couple days, but I think so. Emmanuel Class A took the loss on Monday. He was pitching in a tie game in the ninth. Yu Chang threw the ball away with runners on first and second. So I still think Class A is the guy, but we'll see. No worries. The for the Pirates, Richard Rodriguez pitched a scoreless ninth with them down six to two. That's going to happen a lot this season for the Pirates. <laughs> to stream or not to stream for Tuesday for anyone in a daily lineup league, you're looking to pick pick someone up. And stream them. Matthew Boyd at Houston. Yay or nay? Eh. You're the Boyd guy, Frank. What do you say? Uh, I know Casey Mize just looked good, but we'll take a wait-and-see approach here against Houston. Oh, you, you wanted Boyd over Mize. What are you talking That's about? That's fine. I'll, I'll still defend that. I just <clears throat> I don't want to start him against Houston. Okay. Uh, Jake Odorizzi on the other side against the Tigers. No. Yeah. Coming off the I.L., yeah, I would want to give him one. Uh, Nick Margavicious at the Orioles? No. Kyle Gibson at Tampa Bay? Yeah. Mm, I'd rather not. I uh, He was in my uh, sleeper pitchers for the two-star week, but if you're just talking to stream him for one start, dangerous. Danny Duffy versus the Angels? Nope. And Antonio Senzatella at the Dodgers? Nah. Nope. Nah. Nose across the board. Team name Tuesday. This one's from AJ, AJ in Oldie from when I had both of these guys in 2019. Munson. Uh, how do you. Munson on some Reese's Pieces. Munson on some pe- Reese's Pieces. Munson sure. on some Reese's Pieces. God, I butchered that. Yep. Uh, from Voodoo Child on Twitter. Glass now, bottle later. Yep. Justice Roto League. Yep. Redheaded Spark Child. <laughs> launch angle McQuack. I like launch pad. I don't I don't know. Maybe not a yep on that one. I don't understand. Yeah, it's oh uh, man. Some of these I, Christ- I have Christmas no idea. DuckTales, huh? Yep. Or even Darkwing uh, Duck. Okay. He was in Darkwing Duck too. <laughs> Never watched those. Oh, I wasn't really into it either. This one's from oh, Bob. Eric A. Badoo. Sure. <laughs> I don't think I get that one. Sorry. Uh, there's Eric Badoo. 
Yeah, Erica Badu. She is a singer-songwriter. Uh, from Mark, Jin and Jusei. Yeah, I think you would pronounce it like Jusei. Jin and Jusei. Jusei. Yeah, but, um, sure. <laughs> Fran Meals on Wheels. Yep. Or Ursh- Shellas and Cheese. <laughs> I guess like Shells and Cheese? Yeah, yeah. that's fine. That's what <laughs> I was thinking. The Book of Boba Chet. Boba Chet. Bo- yeah, Bo- Boba Chet. Yeah. Boba-, Boba Chet. Yeah. This one's from Beige. Deuce Biggio, Malay Giolito. <laughs> oh, that's that's Heath level that's cramming. Close. That's, that's really cramming, close. Uh, that's a lot. <laughs> really straining the what what words sound like to get that to fit. <laughs> this one's from Patrick uh, Castillo Royale. Yep. And oops, all Berrios. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh huh. This one's. <laughs> That's probably the best reaction we've ever got from Scott, so that's good. (laughs) The Captain Crunch cereal, Oops All Berry. That's what that is. Yeah. Pretty good. Um, From Patrick, (laughs) Astu Studio. Yeah, that's an oldie, but a good Yeah, what was the other one? We were were talking about one the other day with with that song. I can't remember. Suit suit, Sugio? Suit Sugo? Yeah. We've gotten it for a studio before, too. (laughs) A studio from Tyler pitching in lower class A. Yep. Ah. From Tim Otani dance. I don't know. I don't understand. Mm, me neither. From is this a thing? I don't, I don't know. Now you guys are way more pop cultured than I am. Like it's you guys are much more likely to know something. Like I was thinking like safety dance, but that that wouldn't work. Yeah. I don't know what. I don't know. I don't know. From Jake. Nimo Arenado, Mr. Juan, so- Juan Soto. <laughs> Nimo Arenado, Mr. Juan Soto. That's pretty that's, good. Yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, Corbin no. Dallas. Oh, cause Scott didn't like that one. Corbin Dallas. Apparently, this is a reference to The Fifth Element, a movie I have not seen in over a decade, so uh, I don't really remember it. Yeah, I've never seen it either. <laughs> I know what it is. Just never seen it. All right, yep. this one I actually laughed pretty hard when they sent it in. From Richard, a bard in the hand is worth two in the Quackenbush. I like it. I like it. Quackenbush. <laughs> I like a Quackenbush. Pull that name out of the, the scrap heap. For Scott and Chris, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball. Today we'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.